Welcome to the Sports Memory Podcast. It is Derek Newman and yours truly, Drew, talking the NFC North tonight. Uh, a very interesting division this offseason with the Aaron Rodgers drama, which was kind of like a soap opera. God, and as a Vikings fan, it was so beautiful to watch unfold. But Aaron Rodgers is back. The Packers are favored. And Justin Fields looks good. Kirk Cousins looks a little sweaty. Looks like he might be coming down with something. And the Lions look god-fucking-awful. Oh, the NFC North, folks. Is there anyone to love in this division outside of the Packers? Uh, I think the Vikings have some upside. I worry about them. I think they're stealing as quarterback because who knows, you know, with contract tracing, how many games Kirk is going to miss and, and how that's going to affect the team. Um, I don't know what we're, we finalize as far as forfeitures and if that becomes an impact. And then, you know, you got to protect Kellen Mond at all costs. He's the future there for sure, right? The GOAT Kellen Mond is the future of this team who absolutely, by the way, who absolutely just looked horrible in preseason. Horrible. I, I just want to say, you know, how selfish of a guy is Kirk Cousins that he won't even get vaccinated when Gardner Minshew is willing to not take a shit for multiple weeks <laughs> just so he can win the number one job. Like, that's real sacrifice. Exactly. Uh, it's the contrast between a guy like Gardner Minshew and a guy like Kirk Cousins to me. Yeah, Minshew hasn't shit in weeks and he is currently leading the quarterback race uh, while Kirk Cousins is, is one to sit inside a glass ball and talk to his team through it like a like a caged lion. Uh, it's a weird situation going on uh, with with the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, and he has nobody to compete with. So he's obviously the de facto starter. But man, we're we're trending towards a really brutal breakup with Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. And I think every team needs to take note of everything that Kirk Cousins has been doing this offseason. This is a guy, he's in it for himself. He, he always has been. He wants he wants the clean chat, stat sheet. Uh, the one thing he doesn't really give a shit about is winning football games. Yeah, and that, that really, to me, is the biggest thing in this situation. Like, you have, you have guys who are depending on you. You have to make sacrifices in, in order to be part of a, a truly good team, great team. Um, and this to me is such an easy sacrifice to make. And, and, you know, a lot of guys say, oh, you know, I'll do anything to win. And the bar is so low here and he can't seem to clear it. So let's, let's, let's just go through it. So according to Vegas, the Packers are number one, but I got to tell you these Vegas, uh, the Vegas win total is not as impressive as I would have thought this was. Uh, they have the Packers at 10 wins. Um, they also have them at a minus 160 to win the division. Uh, the Vikings are at a curious nine wins, which actually has elevated uh, from the beginning. I actually wish I would have gotten some yeah. money in when the win totals first came out uh, in the in training camp because it was at eight and a half. I thought that was really yeah. good. Now that nine wins, it gets a little bit more interesting. And the Bears, interestingly enough, with what would appear to be a better quarterback situation, who are the only other team besides the Packers to make the playoffs last year, fall to seven and a half wins. I think that's pretty intriguing. And then the Lions, the bottom dwellers at four and a half. Uh, where should we start this? You want to start at the bottom? Yeah, let's start at the bottom. Let's start with the Lions. Uh, Mr. Going from Beverly Hills to Detroit is never a smooth transition, but that's exactly what Jared Goff just did. But, you know, Jared Goff, that trade, that's got to feel awful. You're the number one overall pick. Uh, you, you, you feel like you got your home, and then you are a throw-in on a trade for Matt Stafford. I mean, they, I, from what I heard, the Lions actually had to throw a third-round pick just so they could take him off their hands. Yeah, I, I, it might, I think it might even be more than the third-round pick t- to try to take him off their hands. Like, just with the package and the money and all that stuff, like, to me, the, I feel like they paid to get Goff off their team um, <clears throat> and uh, upgrade, you know, with Stafford. But obviously, so Stafford's out, Goff's in. Um, just... For the NFC North, the their cross their division their schedule this year is going to be the NFC West and the AFC North, which is pretty rough. Um, so that does not bode well here for for the Lions, who were a five and eleven team last year. Um, so the Vegas number four and a half, they actually expect this team to be worse than it was last year, and I think that's a fair assessment. Um, their skill position group is kind of just blah to me. Um, you've got DeAndre Swift, who's interesting, and then um, I mean. What else? Jamal Williams is there, who they bring in from the Packers. They have Terrell Williams that they bring in from the Raiders, but he's nothing special. He's just kind of a guy. Uh, Brashad Perriman's just a guy as well. And then they they do draft uh, Amon St. Brown uh, a little bit later out of USC, who's got some potential, but 
I don't know. The offensive line, I think that they did improve that. They made a conscious effort to do so, and maybe that's what their identity is going to be. They're going to build from the trenches on out um, down the road, but I still think for this season they're going to be a pretty bad team. Um, the defense is young, but, you know, developing. But, yeah, I don't, I don't expect this team to be very good at all. No, this is a bad team. It's a bad roster. Um, they definitely you know, say what you want. They have, they have an identity or, or an, an identity they're aspiring to be. Um, they're going to be a very blue-collar team. Um, they're going to try to control the trenches. That's where they focus a lot of their draft capital. Uh, Pina Sewell, you know, probably one of the steals of the draft where they really get them. Uh, but Goff is trash. Their depth behind them is even worse. Um, I am kind of excited to see Jordan Tamu on the roster, you know, one of the XFL legends. Um, but DeAndre Swift always has had injury issues. You don't know how long, how many, you know, how many games he's going to be healthy for. I do like Jamal Williams as far as, you know, kind of an RB2 upside. Um, I think he's kind of a complete guy. He looked really good at times in Green Bay, which is notoriously a place that your running backs don't always do well. So that's, that's about it. I think even I mean, four and a half is, is probably high. I don't see how so- they get there. Do you have under as the under as well? Under, yeah. I'd say if, if they won two or three games, that's kind of the range I have them. Yeah, I have them at two wins right now. I actually think that this is a team competing for the number one all, overall draft pick, and I think there is an outside chance that they go winless. Yeah, I don't think they're going to go winless um, just because... Outside chance. Yeah. Outside chance. I'll, I'll tell you what I think about this team. <laughs> I think they are building something good. Like, if, 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 if you're going to be, be bad... And you don't have your shot at a quarterback. Although you could definitely argue they should have gone for Justin Fields, possibly. Yeah, they could have taken one of those guys. Could have taken Justin Fields and, and had him sit behind Goff for a couple seasons. But they 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 go with Pinay Sewell, which I think ultimately was a good pick. Uh, I think that's a can't miss guy. They're building the trenches. Uh, they got a rough, you know, kind of around the edges coach who's looking to build like a tough team that represents the city. I really actually do like what Dan Campbell's done. Cause what else could he have done? What I don't like about this team caps and all, it might be the worst wide receiving core I've ever seen. It is so bad. So bad. Brashad Perriman. That's their best guy. That's what they got folks. Tyrell Williams, uh, Quintez. <laughs> this is a fucking bad wide receiving core. Uh, so from a fantasy perspective, who's going to get all these targets? I mean, TJ Hawkinson could potentially have 150 targets this year. That That's how bad this team is. Um, yeah. Legitimately. Yeah, but this defense, so bad. Uh, this running back, there's almost nothing to like about this team outside TJ Hawkinson. This running back core is a disaster. It's, it's, it is Built for disaster. You have DeAndre Swift, who is a really good talent, but then you bring in Jamal Williams, and he's Jamal Williams just one of these guys that he they're talking about him enough in camp, uh, and there's enough buzz around him that you could see there being like a split that's annoying. And and when you have a team this bad, you can't stomach splits. Splits do yeah. not bode well when your team is this <clears throat> terrible. Well, you want to see what you have in DeAndre Swift, I think. If you ever are you going to be young and bad, you might as well you know, see if this guy's a building block for your organization. Um, but at the end of the day, running backs are tough to build, especially for or for a rebuilding team. It's tough to really count on a guy who is a, is a you know, a, a second-year running back. So, you know, you're going to have him for, I think, what, two more years? He was not a first-round draft pick. So it's not like you have a lot of lot of time under contract with him after this. Um, but I, I don't know. There, I mean, so Sharp Football has them as the seventh hardest schedule, which, you know, we talked about NFC West and AFC North. It is pretty rough. This division is pretty rough on them. Um, and then their extra game is the Falcons, which, I mean, theoretically is potentially winnable, but I don't see it happening. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of just think that this team is, is you know, like I said, they're real bad. Um, but, I, and then they're not even interesting in fantasy. Like, I mean, for fantasy purposes, I think it's like you got DeAndre Swift, who's running back 15, 30 overall. TJ Hawkinson, who's tight end four, 49 overall. And then maybe you take a flyer on one of those wide receivers or Jamal Williams late. Dan Campbell coming from the Dolphins. I, I will say this. I, this, this is going to be a really bad team by by all indications. But there is a team a couple of years ago that everyone thought was the worst roster they'd ever seen. And they had a surprisingly good year with a rookie head coach in the Dolphins. So um, who knows? Maybe we'll see something like that. I don't think we will. Uh, it, the only thing that they really have going for them is I think this is kind of a bad division. So, um, you know, outside the Packers, I don't really think there's that much to love. 
but yeah, we've already talked more than we should about the Lions. <laughs> Agreed. Let's go to the Packers. So let's go from the bottom straight to the top. Ten wins they're projected at. Uh, they're pr- pretty wide margin are predicted to win this division. Uh, what do you guys think about this team? So I actually think that 10 wins is a little light. I saw them earlier somewhere else at 11 wins. So the fact that it's gone down is kind of interesting to me because I don't really know why it would go down. Um, but last year they finished 13-3, and three, obviously made the NFC Championship game. Um, some, Sharp Football has them as the 17th hardest schedule, which is you know right there in the middle of the pack. Their extra game is the Saints, but we're not sure what the Saints really are this year, so I don't know um, if that's really going to be something that trips them up. At the end of the day, I think this is going to be the Aaron Rodgers show, realistically. He's back. He's motivated. Um, he's playing for keeps, and uh, he may set the league on fire. They have they have studs in terms of Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. Um, their other wide receivers are always interesting, and, and they play up because they have Aaron Rodgers. Uh, their defense, to me, I think that their defense has a few flaws, but nothing really that stands out tremendously. Um, their inside linebackers are not anybody that's real, you know, real interesting in, to me. Um, and their defensive line, like their edge guys are just kind of eh, outside of Kenny Clark on the defensive line. But um, their pass rushers, they're real good. Uh, you know, you got um, Zendaria Smith uh, out there and Preston Smith. And and then their secondary, I think their secondary is generally pretty good. Obviously, Kevin, uh, Kevin Clark got or Kevin King got beat a lot last year in the NFC Championship game. But outside of that, I, I think that they still have some pretty good players in that secondary. To me, the offensive line is the weakness for this team. They lose uh, Lindsay or Lindley, uh, their center, to uh, the Chargers. And I think that they're worse, and they don't have a lot of depth there. So this is this team's one, you know, one or two injuries on that offensive line away from potentially kind of crumbling a little bit. But outside of that, I just think it's going to be Aaron Rodgers kind of leading the way. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is for me. It's Aaron Rodgers going to drag this team to uh, the over for sure. Um, 10 wins is crazy to me. I, I definitely, I could see them at like 13 wins. I have um, them at 11. Yeah, I, I just, so, it's not, you know. not a very good division. Um, they're built and Aaron Rodgers is built for the regular season wins. Do I think this is a team that makes the playoffs and, and does anything? Probably not. Uh, but for whatever reason, uh, Aaron Rodgers can definitely put a chip on his own shoulder, kind of create this kind of victimhood. And I think he's petty enough to try to set the league on fire. Um, he's going to try to throw for 70 touchdowns. Like it's, it's, it's going to be a revenge tour based on, I don't know what revenge, but he's going to be out for it. Yeah, I don't like this team. I don't, I, I don't like this team, but I love Aaron Rodgers. He's the MVP from last year. You know what I'm saying? When I look over this yep. team, I'm like, I don't really see much that I like. Like, Tanyan, he led the NFL in, in, for tight ends with touchdowns last year. Tanyan is not a great player. He's not even a, that good of a player. Uh, I don't really like this team at all. Uh, nope. You know, they, they great receiving core, awesome duo of running backs. But, you know, what Newman said is, is true. Like, their, their offensive line, it's... it's it's a couple injuries away from complete disaster. And if that happens, just watch these teams that they're playing. Like the Brown, or the, the Bears still have a decent, you know, front seven. Uh, they could put a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings certainly are. The Vikings front seven is better than it's been in 10 years. So uh, I could see Aaron Rodgers getting pressured if, if something goes wrong with this offensive line. I mean, they lost some pieces in the playoffs last year, and it turned out to be the demise of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what's to say that you know, the, the issues that we saw against the Bucks last year, those don't carry over into this year? I think they really could. I think this is a flawed team, but 10 wins is too little. It's too little, little. and I, I like them. I, I Just like Newman said, I like them at 11 wins, but I don't like them to win the division. I do not like them to win the division. I, I think this is a, a, a bizarrely flawed team. So should we touch on what fantasy aspects they have then? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I mean, so for me, I, I like who Rogers likes and for whatever reason he likes Alan Lazard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's a guy that's definitely on the radar. Adams, no brainer, but there's not much decision there. Either he's available at your pick or he's not because you're not going to get on the second time. Well, around. what's too high for Devontae Adams? Where are you taking Devontae Adams? Let's say you have a mid. I mean, they're Devontae. they're sending out last dance memes and shit like that. Like, I don't is there? I don't know if there is too high. I, I think Devontae Adams could be wide receiver one this year. All right, so you're on the board. I, I mean, I expect him to be wide receiver one. You're on the board. You're on the clock. Uh, pick 
four, the top four, three running backs? No, no. I, I think okay. the first place I would take him is when you start getting to that question of like, do I take Nick Chubb or, or do I take Devontae Adams? So like in that six, seven range is, is where I'm thinking about it. Okay. Drew? Yeah, he's 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 got he's just gonna get so many targets. He gets them every year. Uh, but this is a crowded wide receiver room. I mean, Devin Funches is their third guy, like uh, on, on their depth chart. That's that's kind of interesting. So, and then they bring in Randall Cobb. So you got Devin Funches, Alan Lazard, uh, still Marquez Valdez Scantling, and Randall Cobb. Like that's that's a lot of. And, and you can't forget even like their sixth guy, uh, Sam Rogers. And then they, even St. Brown had some flashes. Like they yeah. they have seven guys who have who have had big games for them at some point. Yeah, Mario Rogers is their draft pick this year out of Clemson, um, slot guy. So, uh, you know, him and Randall Cobb have already developed a friendship in there. But the thing about these wide receivers, all of them are going fairly late. Um, I've seen per fantasy pros all off, you know, all of them are outside the 200. Um, so it's kind of like pick up, pick one and take a flyer late. Yeah. Like, is that your plan? Buy a lottery Obviously, ticket. Lizard, Lizard, Lizard's your guy if you can get if, it. If, if you get good value, just you know, you want to buy a lottery ticket. This is the kind of offense that you know, Aaron's gonna be throwing the ball. This is you know, you, you want to get some skin in the game. But uh, I have no idea who the number two guy is. It's, it's really crowded. So I can tell you, what? it's probably not uh, MVS. Uh, MVS, he he has these issues, man. He drops the football too much, and it pisses Aaron Rodgers off. They have too many veterans now with Devin Funches and Randall Cobb. To I don't think there's a place in this off offense for Marquez Valdez Scantling. I think uh, you're right. I think he's productive because he had to be last yep. year for sure. I think he's still a rotational guy. I don't know that he's a guy that you want in fantasy. No, but they are going to use him occasionally to stretch the defense. I think in a deep draft, maybe like he's your wide receiver five or six. Nah, five's yeah. even too much. Six. I mean, yeah. I I don't think he's going to be good at all. But yeah, um, the only guy that I'm completely about- confident in this offense is Aaron Rodgers because what, I what think. About- we're going to see the rise of A.J. Dillon this year. So, again, once again, I'm going to discount Aaron Jones, and I'll probably regret it. You, so, when you're discounting Aaron Jones, wh- what does that mean in terms of drafting him? Like, are you taking him in the first round? Because he's pretty much going in the first round in most drafts. Uh, that's, that, that's a good question. Yes, I think I'd have to consider it at the end of the first round. But uh, he scares me. In the, in the middle if people are taking him there. If he falls you in the second, run away with it. Take, take him all day long. But yeah, the middle or like the, the end of a, the second round in a 12-round draft, I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, that that's when you get down to guys like you're going to be looking at like Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins. A lot of the top running backs are going to be off the board. So yeah, he, he's I don't, I don't see anything wrong with taking him at the end of the first round. Okay. And then, uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Fancy Pros has him as quarterback seven. Pick number sixty nine, the nicest. Yes. Um, is we said he, we think he's going to set the league on fire. Is that way too low for Aaron Rodgers? He's thirty seven. I think that's you know I think that you have to discount a guy that's like that. Of course, he was MVP just last year. But when you look at these talents like Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, even Dak Prescott, but th- that's the thing is, I'm definitely not taking him after Dak Prescott, and I'm seeing him lower on a lot of draft boards. So, you think he should be above Dak? Is there anybody else from that list that you re- read off that you think he should be higher than? The thing about Aaron Rodgers is he doesn't bring much to the table with his legs anymore, right? Whereas a lot of these guys do. Um, so, you know, they get some of those easy points that kind of make up for their lack of passing. Um, it's really kind of, to me, comes down to a touchdown thing for him, right? Well, so somebody in your league is going to like Aaron Rodgers more than you do. So I, I think I think you kind of put him out there in this in this slot right where he is around Dak, you know, maybe just ahead of or right behind Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. But I think in the end, if you're playing fantasy the right way, someone's going to reach on him. It happens every year. Everyone, everyone has a Kevin in their league and he likes Aaron Rodgers more than you. He's probably going to, you're going to have some guy that reaches for him in the fourth round. And it's just too early for him. Yeah. I, I never really consider where I'm going to take the top quarterback because I, I just don't take top quarterbacks. I think the gap on a week to week basis between Aaron Rodgers and uh, Matt Stafford isn't that severe. Isn't that, you know, it's not going to make a lot of difference uh, over the long haul, in my opinion. I, I, um, I don't I mean, think I want to leave play, I last year with Justin Herbert. You can't play the strategy that you don't take a top quarterback. You, you just got to hope that one falls you, in my opinion. 
Like, you, so yeah, I, oh, I mean, if, if something falls in my lap, I'll take it. Yes. But I'm, I will never reach for one. Yep. You're hunting for value. Your value hunter. Quarterback is quarterback. quarterback and tight end. I'm I'm all about value. Period. Yeah. So speaking of tight ends, Robert Tunyon is tight end ten, pick ninety nine. Um, I think we know where Drew leans on this. I kind of agree with him. I think this is a little too high for Tanyan. Uh He did lead the league in touchdowns last year, and that that kind of is built into why his number is as high it is, as, as it is. But he's not really a focal point of the passing offense, in my opinion, right? He's not going to get a lot of volume catches. So if the touchdown numbers regress, then that's a big regression out of a guy like that. Uh, Derek, do you have anything different? Absolutely not. No, I, the, the number touchdown number probably cuts in half. Um, and there's enough... If he's lucky, I mean, I mean, we we just went through seven receivers who could contribute in some way. They won't carry seven, but th- that just says their entire wide receiver room can get on the field and produce. We know he has chemistry with Randall Cobb. He has chemistry, obviously, with Devontae Adams. He likes Alan Lazard. There's a lot of other places to go with the ball, and I, and I think AJ Dillon around the goal line is going to be a feature. Um, I, I love think AJ Aaron Dillon. Aaron Jones is going to be in the involved in the passing game too. Yep, I agree. There's nobody and, ahead of him that I like more or, or less than him, and there's plenty of guys behind him that I like. I like I'll, I'll take Gasecki all day long over over Tanyan. That, we, that, we talk about value and upside. What is Tanyan's route to exceeding his draft position? There, there is none. His ceiling is hard. Yeah, Tanyan's a nobody. Okay. He, he's he's a guy that's in a good situation. He's like he's, he's one of these kind of like Austin Hooper like guys who he had a he. He outplayed his skill level last year because he was in such a great position, such a great system, and he really benefited from, uh, you know, a lot of uh, Lazard going down. Once Lazard went down, that's when Tanyan busted out, and you know, because Lazard is this big hulking six foot five. He's almost like a, you know, kind of like a crossover guy. If Lazard stays healthy, I think he takes a lot of targets away from him. I mean, I think last yeah. year, if if Scantling catches the fucking football, we don't see Tanyan's numbers. <laughs> let me, I let, mean, he's he's touchdown dependent, in my opinion. Let yeah. me ask you a question: Is is AJ Dillon being drafted too low? I see him at forty four on the running back list, uh, behind Tony Pollard, Singletary, uh, you know, Naheem Hines. I'm not taking any of those guys before AJ Dillon. So no, the last I hope he time, I, right there though. The last time <laughs> I saw AJ Dillon, I was cheering him on because he indirectly won me a championship. Uh, because the guy I was playing had Aaron Jones, and for whatever reason, AJ Dillon had the hot hand, and he ran for like 200 yards. Yeah, that's that's the shit you want to see. And he's a guy that shows you know people don't want to tackle him. Beginning of the season when when tackling is really sloppy because these starters haven't played, maybe we see him go and and he gets the hot hand. I think 44 is amazing value on him. Yeah, I'm not taking James Conner over him. I'm not taking Leonard Fournette over him. Like he's such a high he's, upside he's guy. A, he's an Aaron Jones injury away from being you know a stud. A, Running yeah, for 1,200 yards. <laughs> or more. Right. Um, honestly, I, like I, I said it last year, I kind of compared him to, he, he's very similar to me to Derrick Henry in terms of running style and physicality. Um, but yeah, so running back 44, pick 121. I love him at that value. He's a guy that I'm targeting in drafts because he does have that potential win, win, win you um, a league uh, being that late. So that's the fantasy gym for the Packers. Let's get some predictions. We all have him on the over. Who, who has him to win the division? Both you guys? Yeah. I do just because, and, it, and this is one of those situations, and, and I probably, until this year is the first time I changed my tune on this, but it's one of those situations where like I feel like they're big brother. And when it comes down to a head-to-head matchup, the Vikings will fold to them. Yeah, I get it. I, I, I'm I'm incensed. I'm I'm very much seduced by this a Vikings depth chart, which I think is incredible. But there's obvious glaring red flags with the Vikings that I should probably be seeing, and I am a Vikings fan. So uh, let's go to the Vikings because that's who I have to win the division. I think they might be one of the sexiest teams in the NFL, uh, just from a and 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 this. If, if anyone thinks that I'm always a homer, I was a homer last year because I like their potential. A lot of guys went down. We had a, tons of injuries. We had some opt-outs, and things just didn't pan out last year, especially and on the really offensive young line. Secondary. A Ter- really young secondary. So Mike Zimmer, that, that was Mike Zimmer's hubris getting the best of him. He thought he could get rid of Xavier Rhodes. He thought he could just basically get rid of all of his cornerbacks, which has always been his bread and butter, and, and get these uh, – 
you know, rookies up to speed. Well, last year they didn't have a preseason. They barely had training camp because of COVID. So it was pretty much the perfect storm for them to not have that strategy work out for them. But this year they bring in Patrick Peterson. Uh, they, they bring in... Uh, Brashad Breeland. Yes. Uh, they, their, their depth chart is just unbelievable. Just listen to this defense for a second. So starting with starting with their cornerbacks, uh, Bashad Breeland, Cameron Dantzler, who showed some flashes last year. He was a rookie last year. Uh, and then they have Patrick Peterson. Alexander, they bring Alexander McKenzie back. They have a Harrison Hand, Chris Boyd, who looks ridiculously good in camp in preseason. Uh, at safety, they bring in Xavier Rhodes from the Cowboys, who's an interesting talent. I mean, he's in his prime. Harrison That's Smith. Xavier Jones, right? Woods, Xavier Woods. Woods. Uh, Har- Harrison okay. Smith still looks like a stud. It's probably his last dominant year. Um, and then at, at linebacker, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Nick Virgil's definitely Nick Nick Vigil is is the weakest part of probably this entire defense. But this this front four is what really really interests me. Daniel Hunter, the Michael Pierce who opted out last year, we signed him and then he opted out, so we've never even seen him play. Was a really good player for the Ravens. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson and Stephen Weatherly. It's a good defense. Yeah. They also drafted um, Chaz Surratt out of North Carolina, who is a guy who was a quarterback coming in. To I love him. And then, and then converted to linebacker. Extremely athletic. Um, and that's a guy that, you know, in, in the right development system could really pop. Um, so, I mean, yeah, this roster, the d- defensively, I love this roster. Um, I think that there's a lot of depth. Uh, there should be a lot of bounce back, especially with Daniel Hunter back. I think that's a huge get for you. And then you bring in those veterans, the Patrick Peterson and the Prashad Breeland, especially at, at the cornerback level to really help out. Um, and, and that should that should kind of cure the issues that you had last year. Um, and it's not, it's not a sexy name, but Delvin Tomlinson's one of the more underrated players in the league. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I really like what he does. I think he, he really controls two gaps. Um, he's not going to, you know, Rack up on the pass rush, but he definitely is a two gap player, and I really think that's you know anchors in the middle of that defense. And then he's spelled by Sheldon Richardson, you know, former top round pick. Who, yeah, if that's you know your when your rotational guys, you, that's that's really good. So th- they were seven and nine last year with all those issues, um, and their extra game this year is the Panthers. They by Warren Sharp, they have the 18th hardest schedule, so just slightly easier than what the Packers are running out there. Um, I mean, yeah, I uh, I think that. You know, at nine wins, I have them. I'll take the over on it. I actually kind of have them at nine, so I do expect that if anything, they'd exceed that. Uh, so I'll take a little pick and uh, you know, little uh, push insurance there. Um, but I mean, I think that their offenses still should be really, really good with you know Dalvin Cook running the ball and then two pretty good receivers there. Um, the, I do question if they have depth at wide receiver. Like I know they have a lot of guys. But are any of them any good? We don't have much production out of that. Um, the biggest question mark for me for this team, though, is, is you know, we've touched on it, the quarterback. If for some reason he has to miss some games, whether it be for contact tracing or injury or anything like that, um, you know, do we really trust any of those Nate Stanley or Jake Browning or, or Kellen Mond to be the guy that's going to be able to step in and carry him? No, I, I, I think their biggest weakness actually isn't Kirk Cousins. Um, I think it's their offensive line because it is, they've got a lot of, it, it, it looks good on paper, but it hasn't looked good in practice. Uh, and it's it's the biggest thing that they have to get together. And if they do, this team is going to be dominant. Uh, from, a, from a fantasy perspective, I mean, this ridiculous wide receiving core, we could see a huge breakout year from Irv Smith. But uh, yeah, I, I just, I love this team. I'm smashing the over even at nine wins. Yeah, I'm in on the over two. Um, I like him at like 11 wins, honestly. Uh, I just think that you know Green Bay finds a way to get to like 13. Um, but I, I'm really high on the Vikings. If you know Kirk doesn't miss a lot of time, if this offensive line does gel, um, right now the depth chart I'm looking at has Christian Darishaw, the first round pick, as a backup. I don't think that'll stick. Well, so I, he's. I think he's a little dinged up right now. So yeah, but. I don't think that'll stick either way. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, you know, we, get, we kind of move over to fantasy. Uh, guy that I, I like for a lot, a little bit of upside is maybe your flex or one of your rotational backup guys for bye weeks. I think D.D. Westbrook's in a spot to really carve out a, a pretty substantial role. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty murky at the third wide receiver spot. They definitely brought him in to be the third wide receiver, but there are some guys that have really exploded on the field, especially some rookies. They really like this Amir uh, Smith-Marset guy. Love him. 
Uh, and he he played for Iowa, so he's always going to be a fan favorite. But he looks really good in practice. He's a funny dude. He, he if, if 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 the Vikings were on Hard Knocks, he would be one of the featured guys. He's hilarious in these videos that I'm watching him in. But uh, yeah, it's a great wide receiving core. That's the thing. It's it's insane. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. I mean, but dude, the the guy to the guy to talk about in this offense is Dalvin freaking Cook. This guy yeah. is going to. I don't think we've seen the best out of Dalvin Cook yet. 1,500-yard season that last year. You know what we haven't quite seen out of Dalvin? In the last three years, he's gone 40, 53, 44 receptions. I think he's got a lot more in him than that. I think they're going to play him even more in the screen game because that's what they love doing with Dalvin. But I think they're going to get him going in other receiving situations. I think the sky's the limit for Dalvin Cook if he can stay healthy. And I love yeah, players I mean, with no next. CJ Ham Got to call it CJ Ham. CJ yeah, Ham is I mean, awesome. To, to me, to me, Dalvin is obviously you know the set it and forget it fantasy guy on this roster. Um, if you're picking, you know at you know at the top of the draft, feel very comfortable taking him um, because he has you know that kind of upside. Um, so uh, outside of him, in terms of fantasy, like you got wide receiver six, jo- uh, Justin Jefferson. To me, I think that he's a guy that's going to need some regression. Uh, that it, it's coming. Also. If this defense is as good as we think it's going to be, that means that there's probably going to be less opportunity and less reason to chase points for the offense, which could hurt his and Thielen's volume, but will may maybe help uh, Dalvin Cooks. Yeah, I agree. I think he regresses a little bit just based on there are more mouths to feed. Um, we talk about, you know, Marset. We talk about Westbrook. KJ Osborne was a was draft pick um, last year, I think. But um, I think Dalvin his workload grows uh, definitely handcuffing the Madison because if Madison steps in, he's one of these guys that the ceiling doesn't really drop off a ton. Uh, he's very capable backup. One of the better backups in the league. You know, we just got talked about AJ Dillon. I think this is another guy where, you know, obviously knock on wood, no injuries to Dalvin cook because I own him. But if you have Madison and he steps in, like you're going to be just okay. He's going to produce like a top 10 running back. Yeah. A lot of so, people yeah, don't I mean, know this, but, but Madison was injured for the majority of last year. So he was super productive when he was a rookie and he, he kind of lost that production last year because he was banged up almost the entire year. Yeah. I mean, uh, Dalvin did get hurt for a little bit at the end. I think he missed a game or two last year. Um, and Madison stepped in partially and then he wound up getting hurt himself, um, enough to get taken off the field. And, and then Mike Boone stepped in. Um, but, Madison is sitting at running back 50, um, pick 147 overall. Uh, so, you know, you're going to have to take whatever, a 10th, 10 to 11th, 12th round pick on him or something like that. Um, I think it's probably worth it if you're the Dalvin owner. Uh, outside of the Dalvin owner, it's kind of just a flyer upside kind of guy. But, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, so how about going back to the wide receivers? What about Adam Thielen? So wide receiver 22, picked 46 overall. Um, is that too high, too low? Is he done? Or is, you know, was last year's kind of drop-off just the fact that ju- maybe they were shifting coverage towards him and that allowed Justin Jefferson to go off some? Or w- what do you think really happened there? I, I think this is one of those situations where, you know, Juju gets a big target share as the number two. Um, you know, in that situation, it was it was Thielen last year or the year before, you know, the year before last. Uh, then he becomes kind of the focal point because Justin Jefferson's an unknown. Now I think we see what Justin Jefferson's ceiling is, and I think he draws the bulk of the coverage. So I could see Adam Thielen's yards go up, but I think his touchdown share, I don't, 14 is a big number. I don't know that he gets back to 14 again. I, I love Adam Thielen this year. I so I talked, you know, about Justin Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson's being overdrafted. Uh, but I think the the market has kind of played itself out for Adam Thielen after last year. One thing about Adam Thielen that I saw last year is this guy is a fucking ridiculous red zone threat. He's one of the best red zone. It's one of the, one of the most underrated aspects about his game. The guy has insane hands. He knows how to get open in the red zone. Uh, he's a touchdown machine, and I don't think that stops this year, especially with Justin Jefferson taking possibly the next step and taking a lot of that double coverage, which you probably will see after what he did last year. I think Adam Thielen is going to have a really good year. I think he's appropriately rated. I see him with alongside guys like T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk. I have no problem with you taking him over those guys. Tell you the truth, he's proven. He's still at a, at a good age where you're not going to see a lot of regression out of him. So I, yeah, I think I think Adam Thielen has been overrated the last two years, and now the the market has kind of readjusted for him. Okay. 
Um, and then, I mean, how about uh, Irv Smith? So I think previously you had said that you're not really a big Irv Smith guy this year. But after, you know, maybe a few more weeks to reevaluate, seeing some more practice and stuff like that, have you changed your tune? No, I think I think Irv I think Irv Smith is exactly where he needs to be. Um, I I was a big Irv Smith guy when we drafted him, and I just haven't seen it. Uh, I haven't seen the flashes that I expected to see out of him. I expected him to be better in open space, and he's just he's not he's not the guy that he looked like he was coming out of Alabama, kind of like OJ Howard. You know, he's 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 been kind of disappointing uh, compared to where, where we got him in the draft. So he's tight end 13 right now, picked 119 overall uh, per fantasy pros. Um, to me, he's a, he's a move tight end, so he is a guy that you want to see move a little bit. Typically, tight ends tend to break out in their third year, which this will be for Irv Smith. So I think it's worth taking a reasonable flyer on if you are kind of like a great or late uh, tight end person. Um, or as like a high upside side tight end too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, realistically for me, if I'm a guy who, if I don't get one of, you know, one of those higher end tight ends somewhere, um, I probably try to take a couple of these guys towards the back end. Uh, just take a, take another shot at the, you know, potentially getting hitting on one of them being successful for me at least. So I think that Irv Smith kind of fits in there and I would not be surprised to see him, you know, kind of pop off and have that breakout in year three here. Are we ready to get to the point where we have a stigma around Alabama tight ends? Kind of to me, they're productive in college because they're the fifth or sixth threat. And in college, there's just not enough guys to cover that. You get to the NFL, you're the fifth or sixth guy. There's enough guys to cover you. Um, maybe these guys just aren't, you know, you some inflated college perception. OJ Howard was supposed to be the real deal. I mean, I, I still want New England trade for him. I think there's something OJ there. Howard's had the injury problems more than anything else, though, right? I don't. I don't know. He hasn't missed that much time. It's just he. I mean, he's he's been an excellent blocker as advertised, but just doesn't seem to to chip in in the passing game. If there's, a I think Irv Smith is the same way as, as far as you thought he was going to be kind of a dynamic after the catch player, and he just his hips look stiff. Like he just looks really stiff. The athleticism's there. It's just he's missing that that kind of wrinkle. If there's a deep sleeper to be had, and if you have a deeper league, uh, and you're you're looking for a guy to kind of just take a run at. Uh, towards towards the end of your draft, we'll get a guy like Chad Beebe. This is Don Beebe's son, uh, who played for the Packers. Uh, this guy, when he is healthy, he's super dynamic. He he was he was our wide receiver too prior to Jefferson, just the year prior, and 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 they were very confident with him in that role. But he could not stay on the field health wise. When he's on the field, though, he looks awesome. Uh, it's just the guy. The guy can't stay healthy, but he he could be a good deep sleeper if that guy just manages to stay healthy. He could occupy that third uh, receiver role. Yeah. So actually, uh, you know, Don there. Uh, one, he he's most probably most famous for running down Leon Lett. Yeah. And forcing the fumble. That's what I think on, of. on 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 Leon Lett. You know, thinking that he's about to waltz into the end zone, but uh, he was on you know those Bills teams that that went to consecutive Super Bowls that didn't win any of them, and then finally gets on to the Packers and actually was the the behind uh, the, the the snapping of for the kneeling. Uh, so he actually has the possession of the football uh that was the last snap of that super bowl uh red Favre handed it to him so he got to take that home i think that's a pretty nice little that's awesome little parting gift for him he's also the guy right when you look at all those like N- those old school nfl big hits video he's the guy that like lands on his head right like i think he famously like flips upside down and like literally like pile drives straight down on his head i think that's him too <laughs> Oh, um, but what about Kirk so the, Cousins? The, the, uh, so the, I, I was going to say we also have another son of a of a former NFL player, uh, but we we released Ricky Prohl's son just yesterday. Okay, um, you're over your wide wide receiver quota. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get him get him out of there. Chad Beebe's pushing the limits. So so Kirk Cousins, uh, quarterback sixteen, pick one twenty three. What do you think about him there? Uh, his last game. They just let Kirk Cousins just air it out, and he looked fucking good, really good. And so I, I, if there's anything to be had there, if the Vikings are just going to go for it this year and maybe they play a more aggressive style that we're not expecting, all indications show that that won't be the case. But in the final game, they were truly going for Justin Jefferson to break the rookie record, and Kirk Cousins looked fucking awesome. He threw the ball like 48 times, and we kicked ass in that game, but... You're not going to see that. This is a run for his offense, and he's appropriately rated at 16. 
So what what's the circumstances that you're going to wind up with a guy like Kirk Cousins on your team? None. Zero. For me. He's not For an me, upside guy. If, 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 if I'm considering taking him there, I'd rather take a guy who has upside. So... I mean, you see, like, Justin Fields still on the board in that area. I, I would like right. to Justin so, Fields. So, here, so here's a question. If you if you don't have a QB1, right, and you have Justin Fields, would you not pair him with a guy like Kirk Cousins as maybe a safe floor guy? Um, I, I don't. I just – realistically, I don't I don't see him on, on my roster. Yeah, no way. Okay. I not mean, I think that, that he holds some some little safe floor kind of appeal there. Uh, if you do want to, you know, take a take a later round guy, maybe you take, you know, either either one of those rookie quarterbacks, or you take a guy like uh, Jameis or Taysom Hill or something like that that you don't know is going to have the starting job, and you're like, let me lock in some at least some production uh, that can be streamable quarterback kind of play until I. Find I I'd rather a guy. gamble on a. I'd rather gamble on a second upside guy like Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold. Like I'd, I'd go that route instead. Okay. I don't, I don't need a floor. I'm trying to hit home runs. Fair enough. <laughs> so, I mean, so 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 you will probably start uh, Kirk Cousins at some point this year when you have to pick up a guy because your guy has a buy, and then that, that's it. So I do want to mention this about Mike Zimmer's career so far at the Vikings. I'm the only one that took him to win the division. 2014, seven and nine. 2015, eleven and five, won the division. 2016, eight and eight. 2017, 13 and three, won the division. 2018, eight, seven and one. 2019, 10 and six, went to the playoffs, beat the Saints. 2020, another down season. If Zimmer's track record repeats itself, the Vikings should be fucking Odd awesome year. this year. <laughs> I'm prepared how many, to how many, how many wins do you have, Matt? I I have them winning 12, 12 games. I think I think I think yeah. I could see them realistically tying with the Packers. But the thing is, guys, you have to remember how fucking bad the Vikings were. They beat the Packers in Green Bay towards the end of last year. So and they I worked competitive in the first game against the Packers. Like this this is a team that Zimmer, out of all the teams in this division, Zimmer's the only guy that's been able to beat Aaron Rodgers. And I think he has the defense to do it again this year. One of the reasons I have the Packers at only eleven wins. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think we we have a similar read on the Vikings. I have them at eleven wins. I could see twelve. Uh, I just I think for whatever reason I think Aaron Rodgers drags that team kicking and screaming to thirteen. Yeah, I'm gonna die. Right, I'm so gonna die on this hill all day. Do it. We, it's not crazy. Finish it off with uh, the Chicago Bears. Yep, the Bears probably the most intriguing team. Uh, Vegas has them at plus five fifty. That's interesting. That 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 that'd be worth a swipe. Especially, just keep watching Justin Fields. So win the division? Yeah, five, plus 550 five, to win, plus the, division, win so the division. So that's really good odds uh, if, if if you like them. And they did make the playoffs last year, and the Vikings didn't. They bring back the majority of their team, plus some, you know, they, they make some changes at the quarterback position, and we could see some breakouts at the, at the wide receiving core. They're pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, so 8-8 eight and eight last year, you said Vegas had them at 7.5 wins. Sharp Football has them as the sixth hardest schedule. And they do get to f- have to face the Bucks. Um, actually, wait, that's not. Yeah, I think it is the Bucks. So uh, NFC West, AFC North, the Bucks. Like that's not great. Um, does anyone believe? I mean, Justin Fields, Andy Dalton are in. They join Nick Foles, who's you know probably going to get traded at some point. Mitch is out. Uh, I think they have good skill players, uh, good starters at least, and some decent depth. Their offensive line is kind of okay, but that's probably the weakness, especially the depth-wise. I still kind of think that this defense is good. Defense is very good. Um, I think that the linebacking group of Cleo Mack, Roquan, Roquan Smith, and Tr- Dan Trevathan one of the better trios in the league. Um front line is, is okay. Obviously, Hicks is amazing. Uh, outside of that, you know, some guys taking out some space. Secondary is good. Eddie Jackson is really solid. Um, it's a good team. Good Quarterbacks, defense. question mark. I, I don't th- – I'm worried about how they handle the transition. Do they start with Dalton? When do they hand it over? How do they handle that? Do they go back and forth again? I just don't trust in them to, to handle the quarterback situation correctly. I think that's their biggest issue. Um, and I just thought something random. Imagine – that the Colt that Wentz is a little slow in his recovery. He's on the back end of his timetable, and uh, they trade Nick Foles to Indianapolis, and they get reunited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
there's been a Nick Foles to Indianapolis kind of thing going for a little while here. It'd be so um, funny. But, I mean, I don't know. I just see Andy Dalton today said uh, Justin Fields is going to have a great career. He's got going to be great in this league, but this is my time. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting seeing you know that kind of confidence out of a guy who's been below average for no, I, a long time. I think the Bears believe this. I, I really do. I, I think the Bears truly want to rest uh, Justin Fields for whatever reason, even though he's the only chance they have at winning this division. Like he, he, he's the only spark. They don't win this division with Andy Dalton. How did they not learn that last year with Nick Foles and fucking fuckface Mc, McPherson playing for <laughs> Buffalo? Now, um, they're going to make the wrong choice. Uh, Jimmy Graham's going to finish out the year with the Bears. Next year, he's going to go to the Vikings, and then the final year of his career, he's going to go die on the Lions. Um. This defense is really fucking good. Love the wide receivers on this team. Uh, Allen Robinson, can't say enough of this guy. If you want to see an interesting stat, and if, and if you're listening to us right now, Google Allen Robinson's stats on a year-by-year basis and tell me who you've ever seen on any team, and this is on two different teams with shitty quarterbacks. His target share is unreal. Everywhere this guy goes, he demands targets. And I don't think it's... You know, his, his catch to target ratio is always really bad. Well, his quarterbacks are always really bad. I think you could look at this two different ways and say he's not catching enough balls. I look at this and I say he's that good that quarterbacks want to get him the ball. Look at his targets on a year-by-year basis. It's insanity. So Yeah, yeah I mean, he hit 151 last year. And so, what, so what happens when he actually gets to play with a real quarterback like Justin Fields later exactly. this year? He, he's had four seasons with over 150 targets. That's insanity, folks. He's going to have 150 targets again this year with better delivery systems, whether it's Dalton or Fields. It's a better situation for him. And I just, I wonder. I think yeah. this guy so, could be so a high-end wide receiver one. Let, let's talk about that from a fantasy perspective. Uh, wide receiver 10, 25 overall. Um, if, if you're picking in a draft, is, is there any chance that he gets to that point? Yeah, I think there um, is. Because <laughs> yeah. he, there's just so many good wide receivers in this draft. There's so many good high-end guys. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, we, we talked about it last week. I'm not a big A.J. Brown guy. I'm taking Allen Robinson over A.J. Brown all day long. Uh, but guys like, you know, Keenan Allen, it's, it's you know, D.K. Metcalf. These are guys going to get a lot of, lot of targets, and they have better delivery systems. What do you think of Allen Robinson, Newman? I mean, I, I think he's a stud. Uh, there is, you know, it depends on where I'm picking in the draft. Uh, I tend to grab him as more of the second player that I'm taking, more round two-ish. Um, I try to, you know, reach for a little bit higher upside. I think he's a little bit more of a floor player for me, um, like a very high floor player. But, you know, pick 25 overall, that's, you know, pushing almost into the third round in most 12-team leagues. I don't think he gets to that point. I think somebody takes him before, um, before the, the end of the second round there, uh, most likely. So I don't I mean, know. He, especially in a PPR league, he's he, like you said, he's a target monster. Um, so I do expect him to kind of play a little bit higher than that. This running back rush that I've seen in in mocks is a very very serious thing. I mean, guys are going out. You're going to see Najee Harris get taken before him in a lot of drafts. You're even going to get see guys like Ceh. There's there's a lot of uh, people out there that really love Ceh and are taking him mid late second round. Uh, I've seen him fall weirdly. I've seen him fall to the third round, which is bizarre to me. Um, and if you can get him at the end of the second round, early third round, that's a fucking steal because I think this guy's a, but you know, mid second round to early second round talent. Yeah, I think if I'm picking at the you know at the top of the draft, I get you know a stud running back there early, and uh, I'm coming it's coming back around towards me, and I've got a chance to grab you know uh, Allen Robinson as my as my wide receiver one there with a real high floor, um, safe volume, even with bad quarterbacks, and then hoping for some upside maybe with Justin Fields. Um, I, I'm all over that. What about... Yeah, and the interesting, interesting thing to me too is, is you look at some of the advanced statistics around wide receiver play and efficiency and what he was able to do with you know catchable passes. And last year was actually an improvement for him. He's trending up. Uh, be, being more efficient catching, you know, of those 151 targets, only 124 were deemed catchable. So that already tells you how bad the quarterback play is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 27 balls thrown his way weren't even catchable. Um, 
but he, he's done better to re- reel in what he's supposed to. What to think of David Montgomery? He's he's going to be the biggest question mark in this offense. A guy that started out so terrible last year and finished so strong. I mean, he was one of the best running backs in the entire NFL last six games. Uh, but, you know, this is one of these things that, who, who knows, man? Uh, David Montgomery finished really strong. Do you buy into that hype? Is, is that a good strategy to go on as guys that finish strong? I think it is. Uh, one thing that I love about David Montgomery Got a lot of targets last year. Very, very involved in the, in the receiving game. From a PPR perspective, that's exactly what you want to see. I mean, the guy's averaging five, six targets a game. Uh, and, w- and if Justin Fields is in, which he will be in, folks, eventually, uh, I, I could see him dumping it a lot to David David Montgomery and getting him really involved in the offense. The other thing that having a mobile quarterback does is it holds you know that back end a little bit. So it actually kind of creates an extra running lane there for your running back and does really tend to help the running game. We've seen this before with like a guy like Vince Young and stuff and and um, and Lamar Jackson, how it helps their running backs because they do have to worry about that extra gap and extra defender. So it does kind of help out, especially with that. Uh, I, I'm high on Montgomery this year. I think he's one of the last guys that you can kind of really count on to be a workhorse in his offense because I do expect him to get you know, uh, Nagy's talked about getting him, trying to get in like 25 touches a game. Now that's not necessarily going to happen every game, but the fact that he's already conscious and thinking about that does bode well for me. And so I, I do like him. Uh, Fantasy Pros has him at running back 17, 36 overall. To me, that's kind of low. Um, so, I mean, that's towards the back end, end around three. I don't see that. I don't see him getting there. Yeah, I this to me this is a guy who doesn't have a lot of competition. I mean, three Cohen's always been gadgety. He hasn't even practiced, probably won't practice for a few more weeks, they, they think. Um, so he'll get off to a slow start, and and they have shown that they don't see him as a between-the-tackle runner. Damian Williams is also not really a between-the-tackle runner. Uh, so I really think that he's going to get the lion's share of the productivity. And you talk about you know how rare it is to find these kind of primary bell cow kind of guys. Um, I think 14 is way too low on him. Yeah, Damian Williams is just a little bit scary just because he is that veteran guy, and some kind, sometimes coaches fall in love with that. But, uh, yeah. Monk, Monk, Matt Nagy does know him from Kansas City, so. For sure. And he's also wearing number eight. So, <laughs> you know, another thing to be worried about with him. Montgomery <laughs> is, he, he's going to get the lion's share of these carries. And I look at some of these guys that he's around on the draft board. I'm definitely not taking DeAndre Swift before him. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I think it's kind of insane how how high DeAndre Swift is on a lot of draft boards, especially when you guy got guys like Montgomery that are going to command their backfields. Uh, I blame Matt Barry, Matthew Barry on that one because yeah. he's a big DeAndre Swift guy. Yep, <laughs> uh, Jamal Williams is just going to ruin DeAndre Swift's party this year. I love DeAndre Swift too, but they like they like Jamal Williams, which is unfortunate. With seven yeah. and a half wins, um, what do you guys have them? So I'm at nine. Uh, I'm taking the over on seven and a half. Um, I, I did screw up a little bit. Their extra game is actually the Raiders. Uh, they do have to play the Bucks though. But um, it, it part of me is just I think that you know with with their quarter. So they only want, they went eight and eight last year. They get an extra game this year. Having more more confidence in the quarterback play that they're going to get this year, plus the upside of Justin Fields. I think this defense will play better than it did last year because the offense won't be quite as bad. Um, and then, you know, we've talked about a lot about the things that we do like for this team. So I do have them getting the over. I'm going to go under purely because I think they're going to mismanage this quarterback situation. Um, I like the rest of the roster. There's nothing else I can really say. Uh, tight end's kind of a weakness. O-line has some holes. Overall, it's a good roster. I just I think they're going to fuck up this quarterback situation. I really do. They definitely are, and I, I have them for the under two. Uh, you know, they, they got a really tough road. They start with the Rams and then, well, Bengals, but then Browns. Well, actually, it's not that tough, but <laughs> I started looking over the schedule. I, I, I peeked at it earlier, and it is not that tough to start out. But, uh, yeah, I, they're going to mismanage this. I don't think Matt, Na- Matt Nagy's a good coach. Uh, they're going to fire him after they underperform this year, and then Justin Fields is going to take the reign fully next year. Uh, he, I, Justin Fields will 100. Brian Gable as the head coach. He'll start by week four. That, that that's where I have him. I have Justin Fields starting at week four. Uh, but I could see him, I could see them dragging this out even longer. Is there any chance that we get 
Justin Fields week two after Andy Dalton just shits the bed week one against the Rams. And they're like, oh, soft, cushy landing. We'll just start Justin Fields against the Bengals week one or week two. What what they worry me about is is they're the kind of team to wait until week four to start Fields. Fields has a bad week, week six, and then they pull him again and they kind of get this carousel thing going. Yeah, uh, that could that could happen. Um, so let's talk some more fantasy here. Um, obviously, if you don't believe in Kirk Cousins, I think there's no chance that you're going to uh, purchase any any Dalton stock. Um, they do have. Uh, Justin Fields is quarterback 21, uh, pick 151 overall. And I think you would take it much higher than that. Am I right, Derek? I I think so. I I think I'm going to buy the upside. At least I'll know what weeks he's playing and I can kind of, you know, piece it together that way. I think he's, he's the real deal. And then I've been, you know, really bullish on him the whole time. Um, I think you could have a Herbert like impact. Uh, he's not going to deliver quite what Herbert did in terms of production. Um, but you know, with the running game and 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 elevating the rest of the play of the offense, I think uh, I think he can do that. Definitely, I, I definitely think so. Uh, some other guys, you know, we touched on uh, Allen Robinson already. What about Darnell Mooney, the other wide receiver who you know had a pretty good season last year and didn't really even get to play early on in the season, so he didn't emerge till you know a quarter of the way in through it. Um, pl- still playing with some bad quarterbacks. Are you talking about quarterback play? Darnell Mooney, wide receiver, 50, uh, 122 overall. You talking about? What do you think about that? You're talking about Mr. Ramsey, Jim Ramsey's dad, Darnell Mooney. That's who you're talking about, right? <laughs> Mr. Ramsey's dad. I guess so. One of my favorite little off-season <laughs> phenomenons that hit Twitter. Twitter is them talking about Darnell Mooney beating Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> And so is his dad. Jalen Ramsey gets so fucking pissed off about this shit. I love it. Trying to get it in his head. Uh, I like Darnell Mooney, but I don't like him as much as a lot of people like him. I, I think he's he's a solid upside guy. He's a guy to grab as like your wide receiver four. But I think if he's your wide receiver three, you're in some trouble. That's fair. Yeah, I, he's a bye week guy for me. Um, you know, you kind of plug him in and if if your flex you got running backs out and he's your flex or um, you get some wide receivers out. I, if if he's your every day, every week player, I, I think you're in a rough spot. Yeah, I, I think there's more upside there for him. I think he's got a guy who could be potentially a you know an every week starter for you out of the flex spot or out of a third wide receiver kind of thing. Um, I, I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking at his kind of his his game log here. Um, there's a lot of like two and three catches for like 30, 40 yards. I mean, if I'm getting seven points on my flex, I'm not happy. They have Mitch Trubisky sure, but that's year, also, though. yeah, that's also with much worse quarterback play. Um, so, I mean, I is, don't know. Is, I think, is Andy Dolan a significant drop off from Mitch Trubisky? I think he's an upgrade. Uh, I'm sorry, a significant upgrade. Do you think he's like enough to move the needle for these guys? Well, like I said, the other thing with Mooney is that he doesn't—he didn't really start getting some run until you know second half of the year, later into the season. So, personally, I think that I think that there's a lot more upside there. A lot of these wide receivers—he was only a rookie last year, so a lot of these guys do take a little bit of a leap in their second year. So, sure. I mean, to me, I like the value there. I think it's worth worth taking a shot on him. He's a guy that you know has wound up on my team in a lot of mock drafts that I've done. Um, and I have no issue taking him around that spot at wide receiver 50, uh, 122 overall. Sure. All right. What about Cole Komet? Um, Any cool, big Cole Komet yep. believers out there? So if I'm trying to have a second tight end on my roster and I want some upside, then Cole Komet's definitely one of those guys that I try to target a little bit later in draft um, towards the back end of you know filling out my roster. Um, sometimes it's it's nice to have a little guy that has an opportunity to to break out there, and you know that worst case scenario, it's, it's one of the guys that you wind up dropping and and taking a flyer on somebody else when you're picking up other people. But I mean, Cole Komet's definitely a guy that I, I have some interest in. Um, so he he does kind of wind up on some of my rosters too. The thing that concerns me with tight end is it's by nature unless you have one of like the top you know five guys one that you know they can't miss guys the the you know focal point of the offense it's very much a chemistry position it's does that quarterback gel with that tight end is that his security blanket is that where he's looking when the play breaks down those are the guys that tend to kind of rise to the top you see his targets 
Uh, he's looking at like one or two targets all the way through week like six, 15 last week, last year, or sorry, week 13. And then he starts seeing seven, seven, two, six, eight. Um, does that say maybe he gelled a little with the, you know, the quarterbacks at the end of the season? That's something they could do next year. He was but, a rookie tight end. Those guys take yeah. a little bit of time to adjust to the NFL. We've seen it over and over, which is one of the reasons that I'm down on a guy like Kyle Pitts. Um, rookie tight ends tend to not perform great. So uh, this year, second year, you know, the offense hopefully will be a little bit better, more stable with some of the quarterback upgrades that you have. And then also, also the possibility that you have Justin Fields. Justin Fields loved his tight ends at Ohio State. I mean, we saw what they did against uh, Clemson in in the college football playoffs. So, uh, I'm just worried about how many targets end. are available with Allen Robinson getting 100 and, you know, probably 160 this year. Yeah, I mean, but what's who's their third wide receiver? Um. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Marquise Goodwin, a little bit of a home run hitter. He's not going to get a big target share, though. Right. Marquise so Goodwin with sucks. Cole Komet, like he comes out of. You talked about it. There are certain schools that kind of produce good tight ends. Notre Dame tends to be one of them, and he's yeah. a Notre Dame product. So, I mean, if you want to put your faith in that, I think it's worth the flyer late. Yeah, I think he's a good upside guy to to grab as a second guy. All right, guys, let's yeah. shut this thing down. I'm hungry. But. <laughs> <laughs> NFC North, I'm the only guy that took the Vikings. You guys both took the Packers. You basic bitches. All right, let's shut this thing down. Sports Memory Podcast. Have a great night.